Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show into all the apps people like to listen? How do I make money from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. I love Anchor because it allows me to record without having to spend thousands of dollars on equipment that I would probably have difficulty using anyways. So Anchor makes it all possible with a simple app. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me, Lou Mavs, and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Looking for some new podcasts to listen to? Well, Rat Sound Review Network has plenty of shows to choose from. Like Rat Sound Review, where they discuss the latest rock and metal news, as well as interviews and albums. Album versus Album, the King Diamond Podcast, with Wayne Noon, Greg Noggle, and sometimes this guy. Smack him a gob! Ralph Vieira is also on our network with the Vieira Bowl. There's also... Old Man Metal's Musings, where he discusses heavy metal and beer. Music is Life with Lou Mavs. The Right Opinion for Those Who Love Politics. A South Park podcast called Suck My Balls. The Infinite Fringe. A watch-along wrestling show called Beyond Bushido. Extradivarius guitarist, the Timo Tolki podcast. And the great Harry Barnett with I Don't Even Like Podcast and The Laugh Cast. So check out RatSoundReview.com or search RatSoundReview on YouTube, Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. You're listening to the Music is Life podcast with your host, Lou Mabs. On the Rat Sound Review Network. What's going on, everybody? Heard you miss me. I'm back. <laughs> Welcome to the Music is Life podcast with the Mavs, available exclusively on the Rat Solid Review Network. You could also check my show out on various platforms where you can hear your fine podcasts, such as Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and yeah, a bunch more. I think I'm on Spreaker. I, I don't even know at this point. <laughs> been a while since I did one of these. Um, dry, driving home right now in Le Studio Corolla. <laughs> Just did an Uber Eats route tonight. Did pretty good. Uh, you know, pandemic is still going on, so there haven't been any gigs. So do this for extra loot. And hoping that gigs come back sometime soon. Unfortunately, I heard that there was a spike of about 2,000 people out in Nassau and Suffolk County here on Long Island. And, you know, I, with a wife and daughter and a puppy and in-laws who had the coronavirus and beat it. My in-laws had it and they beat it. Thank the good Lord. Uh, I just don't know if I want to risk it. But 
I'm happy to deliver your food. <laughs> but uh, this has been, um, for the most part, it's been in my personal life a pretty good year. But as a music fan, 2020 could seriously eat a bag of donkey doodles. I'm trying to keep it clean. But you know what I'm getting at. I just found out about a week and a half ago, almost two weeks ago, that the greatest guitar player of my generation and probably the single most important guitar player for me, Eddie Van Halen, passed away from his long battle with cancer. If you think about it, since he's first had cancer, it's been a 19-year battle. And... My heart goes out to Wolfgang, his brother, Alex, his wife, Janie, his ex-wife, Valerie, and all the fans out there and all my fellow guitar players out there who were influenced by Eddie. Um, I'm not going to lie. This one really hit me hard. You know, I thought losing Dimebag Daryl of Pantera was bad. And I, I was really bummed from that one. But this one hits a lot worse for me because Eddie Van Halen and the music of Van Halen was such an important part of my life. I pretty much became a guitar player because of Eddie Van Halen. I know I've said in the past that my brother was a single most influential person in my life when it came to uh, picking up an instrument. And that's true. My brother Mike was my biggest inspiration for wanting for me wanting to be a musician. Eddie Van Halen was my biggest inspiration for me wanting to be a guitar player. My love affair with the music of Van Halen started, no pun intended, in the year 1984. When, and we didn't have cable at the time, so there was no MTV for us in our home. But the networks, either ABC or NBC, I forget which one, would have a Saturday afternoon music video show. And I just happened to be watching it, and Jump came on. And I saw David Lee Roth, you know, just. I thought he was like the coolest guy at four years old, you know, because here he was like this, this lion of a dude, you know, doing backflips off the floor and whatever, and just, you know, jumping high, you know, into the stage, doing a split, you know, just thinking, wow, you know, like I thought superheroes only existed in comic books, but what struck me about that video was seeing this long-haired guy with a, a leopard print blazer and jeans with patches on it and this crazy-looking guitar, red with black and white stripes, later known as the Frankenstein, although at the time he had the Kramer neck on it. It didn't have the Fender, um, the Fender headstock on it. It had the Kramer neck. But seeing this guy do the two-handed tapping, smiling the whole time, like you could tell he loved what he was doing. 
I just thought that that was so infectious. And, like, I just remember vividly as a kid looking at that going, wow, I want to do that. I just thought Eddie Van Halen was the coolest looking guy to ever pick up a guitar. And when I heard him play, it was the most beautiful sound that I ever heard. You know, and... I didn't realize then the the impact that Van Halen had already had. And Sammy Hagar could say what he wants. He could say that Van Halen had more success with him. And I call bullshit. Because they were already million sellers by the time 1984 came out. And I, di- I did not know any of this until until afterwards. So I didn't realize that Van Halen had already influenced an entire generation of guitar players with their debut album in 78, which I did not hear until I was about eight years old. So I heard Van Halen 1 10 years after it came out when I was eight years old and I first heard Eruption and I was like, wow, now I get why this guy is as important as he is. And mind you, when you're growing up in in the 80s, you know, single digits, and you're seeing other guitar players already rip off Eddie Van Halen with the Floyd Rose Bridge, with the Fender headstock, with the two-handed tapping, eventually Jeff Watson, I think he figured eight-finger tapping. He gets a pass because he's just an awesome guitar player, Jeff Watson of Night Ranger and Brad Gillis of Night Ranger. You know, both of them, to their credit, both amazing guitar players, what they could do with eight-finger tapping and with the Floyd Rose Bridge. So, you know, I I leave them out of the equation because they were original in what they were doing. But Eddie really laid the blueprint for, like, every guitar player that came out of L.A., in the 80s and ended up getting a record deal. You know, even on the East Coast, Bon Jovi, you know, they're from Jersey. So you can't say that the the success of Van Halen, you know, you can't say that that's not why a band like Bon Jovi got picked up. I don't care what anyone says. You know, Diamond David Lee Roth and Eddie Van Halen probably the most influential singer-guitarist grouping ever. Prior to them, you know, definitely give the credit to Page and Plan of Zeppelin and Tyler Perry of Aerosmith. Not Tyler Perry, the director. I meant Steven Tyler and Joe Perry. God, I really need to provide better context when I say the words Tyler and Perry. Uh, anywho, and probably the most influential after Dave and Eddie would have to, I would say, would have to go to Axel and Slash. So, what was I getting at? Oh, yeah, about, uh, about Eddie. So, you know, I heard Van Halen 1 in 88, but the first Van Halen album that I ever listened to which is still my favorite album, not just of Van Halen's, but my favorite album ever, 
to this day would have to be fair warning. And I heard that. That was the first Van Halen album I ever heard. So that was like 84, 85. My brother Mike had the cassette. It's funny because Tony, my, my oldest brother, he had Van Halen 1 and 2. Mike had... Oh, and, and Tony had Diver Down. Mike had Fair Warning in 1984. It wasn't until 89 when Tony found a copy of, Willi- of Women and Children First. And then every Van Halen album of the classic six-pack was in our cassette collection. But Fair Warning, I mean, that album, I... A lot of people love Van Halen, Eddie's tone on Van Halen 2. And I'm not going to say that they're wrong for liking that tone. That's a monster tone. But I, I tell you, when I first heard Fair Warning and I heard that intro to Mean Street, where he's doing like this frantic two-handed tapping. Now, mind you, I grew up a city kid in Astoria, Queens. My parents' house was not far from the 114th precinct. And I can vividly remember the sounds of sirens from a distance. Not just police, but ambulances. So when I first heard Mean Street and Eddie's doing that psychotic two-handed harmonic tapping, it struck a nerve with me because it kind of reminded me of the sounds that I was growing up with finally put to a song and that really struck me as a kid to the point where I think Fair Warning was the first album where I had to listen to the first song again after I already heard it the first time So before I moved on to the rest of the album, I think I must have heard Mean Street about, I don't know, a thousand times before I moved on to the rest of the album. And once I got to the next album, once I got to the next song, which is Dirty Movies, again, when you're four or five years old, you don't understand the context of it. But I used to help my dad at his gas station in on, uh, where was it? It was on Astoria Boulevard in East Elmhurst. And I didn't realize at the time, but Queens... How do I explain this? Queens was the porn epicenter of New York City as Times Square was tying out. (laughs) I say this because later on I found out that Adventure Studios in Corona was where a lot of adult films were made. On top of that, across the street from my dad's gas station was a place called The Cozy Cabin. Think about that for a second. And then right next door to him opened up an adult video shop. So when I was about 11 years old and I listened to Dirty Movies again, And then when I kind of, again, put it in the context of the environment that my dad's shop was. Now, I'm not saying that my dad picked that shop because he wanted to be near the porn places. Anywhere he picked in Queens, he would have been near the porn places. So he couldn't have helped that. Nobody could have. But in the context of the environment that I was in and what the song was about, I was like, 
Oh, I get it. It's about a girl who becomes a porno star. Oh, I get it now. Ha, ha, ha. Very funny. And moving on to the rest of the albums, just, you know, fair warning to me has everything about Van Halen that I love. The only thing that it doesn't have are... It's far from a pop album. It is by far the darkest Van Halen album. You know, there's no Dance the Night Away. There's no Feel Your Love Tonight. Um, it's probably the one album of the classic six-pack that is in no way related whatsoever to the six-pack. It completely stands out on its own. Which is probably why it's the least selling of the classic six pack. I think it's at two or three million worldwide. But still, Ralph Vieira will tell you that he saw the Van Halen Fair Warning tour. It was sold out. And it was by far the best concert to this day that he's ever seen. Mind you, this is 1981, and Ralph is a consummate concert goer. And if he's saying that that was the best concert that he had ever seen in his life, that says something. But for me, fair warning, you know, I, I mean, for the longest time, I, I've tied it with Diary of a Madman from Ozzy Osbourne. Like, those are always like my two, you know, Desert Island albums. But I'd have to give the edge to fair warning because... It's the one album that I can listen to that I'll never skip a song. Even the instrumental, uh, Sunday Afternoon in the Park. I don't skip that. I listen to the album straight through. And I think it's the best album ever made. I definitely think it's the best Van Halen album ever made. Um, I would hope that people would give it a chance now, especially with Eddie gone. You know, I mean, one of their biggest songs ever, Unchained, is off that album. And I tell you, that's probably the only song off that album that even gets played on the radio. And I'm still not sick of it yet. Every time I hear that song, I get like the hair standing on the on the back of my neck and on my arms. Like Un Unchained is like a battle cry for me. And I don't know. I, I just, I can't speak enough of that album's praises. I think it's a masterpiece and I hope more people would listen to it. But I think the reason why it hit me so hard is because, and I actually spoke with my wife about this today. You know, I, I mean, I grew up in Astoria, Queens. My parents are immigrants from Greece. They came here in 68. I had two older brothers and Greek was my first language. English was my second. Here I am in kindergarten with barely any knowledge of the English language because I only spoke to my parents in Greek. You know, uh, we, um, they moved, they, they ended up settling in Astoria because there was a huge Greek community there. You know, there were Greek churches, Greek schools, Greek shops, Greek bakeries, Greek butchers, Greek, Greek, mechanics, Greek, everything. 
So for a lot of Greek people that came in the 60s and the 70s, why did they have to speak English if they had everything for them in mother tongue? My brothers uh, knew English very well. But then again, Tony was 15 when I was born. Mikey was 12. So they would speak to me in English and I would try my best to like answer them in English. But again, like I was so uh, raised in that culture, you know, like from a young child, you know, it was speak Greek only. Um, if you know, find a nice Greek girl one day and marry her. Um <laughs> Eat feta with every meal. You know, it, it was like that. It was, it was, it was, it was rough because I was having trouble identifying with it. To this day, I don't identify with it. I mean, I'm, I'm. It's my heritage because that's where my parents came from, and I am by no, I am not ashamed of it. But I can't relate to the culture really. You know, here I was born and raised in New York City and feeling like I didn't belong anywhere. You know, as a young kid, I really didn't. And when I learned about Eddie Van Halen's story, you know, a young immigrant from Holland who was half Dutch, half Indonesian him and his brother Alex coming here to this country being bullied by white kids and befriending black kids who, you know, would stand up for him and seeing what he accomplished. For me, the story of Van Halen is the story of the American dream. You know, take no prisoners, take no shit, be yourself, live life on your own terms. It was the voice I needed to make me feel comfortable being myself. You know, Van Halen was the sound of freedom to me. And I think that's why it hit me as hard as it did. Because Van Halen's music is such a quintessential part of, you know, not just music history, but American history. You know, two immigrant brothers who did amazing for themselves and became, you know, not just the voice of a generation, but the most influential guitar player of an entire generation including guitarists who came before him, not just after him, not just to this day, but before him. Definitely the most influential guitar player since Jimi Hendrix. I would say that, you know, you put Hendrix and Eddie in the same category. Um, they both revolutionized guitar playing. Nobody sounded like Hendrix before him. But a lot of people tried to sound like him afterwards. And with Eddie, people were trying to sound like him the moment he came out. 
you know, wondering, my God, how does he do that? And my love for Eddie Van Halen and their music is, you know, it's as long as I've been alive. I mean, every day I've listened to the entire discography when I'm at work, when I'm driving. It feels like for me, and I'm sure other guitar players feel this way that were influenced by him. It's like losing a family member, you know? I never met Eddie. I've never even seen Van Halen in concert. Never had that chance. I don't regret it because the music was enough for me. You know, the quality of those first six albums, it was enough for me. You know, and Eddie was a guy who really did not like doing interviews, so he let his guitar do his talking. And as far as I'm concerned, Ed, you said enough. You said so much more than most wish they could say just through your playing. And you said enough, you know, and I know my fellow guitar players out there are hurting still. I am. I don't think anybody will pick up the mantle from him because where else can you go? I mean, where else can you go from that? I mean, the man, everything we do as guitar players is directly influenced by what he's done. And this is by no means an insult on guitar players such as Joe Satriani, Steve Vai, John Five, um, Tosin Abasi, all great guitar players worthy of praise. But think about it. A lot of what they do, if it wasn't for Eddie having brought it out to the forefront, I don't think a lot of us would have picked up a guitar or be recognized for you know, what we do with it. Eddie was, I think, the true gateway for a lot of us to find our voice with six strings and find a level of success. We owe him so much. And it sucks when an artist is gone and you kind of hope that they still get recognized for their greatness long after they're gone. Eddie acknowledged that people thought he was great while he was alive, but he never let it, you know, detract him. He kept going, trying to push his tone, trying to push his voice, you know, breaking guitars just to rebuild them. And finally finding his true voice through the the EVH Wolfgang and the EVH 5153. You know, that guitar and his amp is his tone. But I tell you, if you follow Eddie as well as I do, um, he made a statement a long time ago that I agree with. Tone comes from the hands. 
It doesn't come from tone wood. You know, I've seen guitar players who couldn't play a lick play a $3,000 Fender Strat. Can't figure their way around it. I've seen other guitar players pick up a Squire Affinity and they made it sing because the tone is parallel to the technique of the musician and it's all in their hands. So I think Eddie pretty much like shattered the illusion of Tonewood making the guitar great. No. It's the guitarist. You know, give a great guitar player a $100 guitar, he'll play the shit out of it. Give a mediocre guitar player a $3,000 guitar. You know, I, I, I said a statement a long time ago. The only person who could probably afford a $12,500 Frankenstrat it's probably the one guy who doesn't know how to play. <laughs> but regardless, we lost our king. You know, Elvis might be the king of rock and roll, but Eddie Van Halen was the king of guitar. And he's gone now, and um, I'm going to miss him. I'm going to miss him because of what his music meant to me. You know, that sound of the American dream, that sound of freedom, that sound of being who you want and just being happy with who you are. You know, and and not just being happy with who you are, but looking for ways to improve who you are. Eddie was constantly trying to improve his tone and... You know, it was like his lifelong mission. You know, I never heard of tone chasing before him. And even with me, like, I'm always trying to figure out how to improve my tone, my voice as a guitar player. Some of that includes, sorry, I had to take a sip of coffee. Some of that includes listening to your peers and taking constructive criticism. I know many many episodes ago, I uh, spoke the praises of my friend Damiano Christian, a phenomenal guitar player in his own right, and a multi-instrumentalist, I found out. Um, I asked him what I thought, uh, you know, I, pardon me, I asked him what he thought could help me improve as a guitar player. Now, mind you, I'm pushing 40. This kid's 22. I'm asking him. And he said, listen, you've got some of the sickest vibrato I've ever heard from a guitar player. Probably the best. Um, Try relying on your pinky. My whole life, anytime I've done a guitar solo, I've never really utilized my pinky. I've only done my index finger, my middle finger, and my ring finger. Never go using the pinky. And I don't know why. I just never did. But once I started doing that, my playing improved. 
So, you know, my, my job as an instructional designer, which is what I do full time, you know, I do technical copywriting and marketing and graphics building. With that role, I'm always looking for ways to improve so I can make my job better. Why not apply that same philosophy towards guitar playing? You know, Eddie proved that you could still do that. You know, I mean, think about it. Like, you know, the guitar that he's more fa- most famous for, the Frankenstrat, that was... Those were boogie bodies. Those were Charvel seconds, meaning that they were imperfect bodies. They had like knots in the wood and whatever, but he didn't care. He needed something he could afford. He put a guitar together, painted it, threw a Gibson PAF humbucker in there and started putzing with his tone. You know, he was probably the first guitar player to to make it a necessity for there to be a master um, volume section with the other section being a second channel that relied on gain, you know, for distortion. Eddie didn't have that in his amp. So he threw, he, 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 he wired a Varilax, um, I think it was a conditioner or whatever, but he wired that to his amp so that this way he could get a heavier tone without blowing the amp out. If it wasn't for him, there wouldn't be two channels on most amps. The guy did wonders for the instrument that we use as guitar players to this goddamn day. And I'm pretty sure none of us will ever forget his contributions to what makes what makes us as guitar players um, keep pushing. His influence makes us keep pushing. And if that's if that doesn't speak volumes of his importance. I don't know what does. But for me, I'll always be grateful that I lived to see and experience Van Halen. So rest in peace, Eddie. God bless you and your family. We'll miss you. This one is so hard. Oh my God. This I um I had other episodes that I recorded before this, but I dumped them because I really wasn't happy with the quality. And I tried doing this last week, but I just I couldn't I couldn't get through it. I was just babbling and you know, I like I said it hit me really hard and it still got me pretty hard, but I figured, you know what? I'd rather just speak you know, shoot from the hip and just talk about my love for the man and his contributions to to the, to the guitar and just say thank you. 
So thank you, Eddie Van Halen, for being the voice of freedom and individuality that helped me get through some of the hardest times of my life and being the reason why I picked up the guitar and just sat and learned it. Thank you for that. So rest in peace, Eddie Van Halen. Now, on to the more fun aspect of this show. I'm going to talk about what I think are my 15 favorite Van Halen songs. Uh, I threw 10 of them on there on Facebook because everybody was asking me, like, you know, what are your favorite Van... What do you... No, no, the question that I was asked is, what do you think are the best Van Halen songs? I don't like answering questions on the best because I think best is relevant to you. I really don't care about what magazines say is the best because you don't tell me what's best. I decide for myself what's best. And I know what my favorite 15 Van Halen songs are because, well, they're the ones that speak to me the most. And it just so happens that about a good majority of them are not songs that you would hear on the radio, even to this day. I've always been an album cuts guy, so I always go for the deep deep tracks. But there is one song that they have that's still played on the radio to this day and is a very popular one. But, you know, can't deny its greatness. It's a killer track. But I decided for the sake of the show, I'm going to throw on five more. So these are my 15 favorite Van Halen songs. So beginning at number 15, counting down to one. 15, I got to give to um, Can't Get This Stuff No More, which is on the best of volume one. uh, When Sammy quit or was fired, depending on whose story you believe. They brought Dave back to record two songs for the greatest hits. One of them was Can't Get This Stuff No More, which has a very mature classic Van Halen sound. But it's so great to hear Dave on that track. It really reminds me, I don't know, maybe it's because of the drum beat, but the song really reminds me of Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears, which is an all-time favorite of mine. And uh, I love that song. Can't get the stuff no more. Uh, You can find it on iTunes if you, you know, it's available on Best of Volume 1. It's also available in the collection, which compiles the first six albums, the two tracks recorded for Best of Volume 1, and also Van Halen Live in Tokyo. So check that one out. Number 14, I got to give to the other track on Best of Volume 1, Me Wise Magic. Probably, I don't know, just, it's a burner. I think it's, uh, 
a great vocal performance by Dave. Um, I think it's a great, a great Eddie Van Halen riff, you know, and he used the uh, Steinberger trans trem on it so that this way he could actually not just change the pitch of the guitar, but, you know, raise it to a higher pitch and keep it there or lower it and keep it there. Great use of the trans trem, which I don't even think they make it for Steinbergers anymore. But, you know, he had it on a couple of his guitars. You know, he had it on his Steinberger, the one that looked like the, uh, that had the, the Frankenstrat paint on it. And I think he had it on, uh, I know he definitely had it on one of his PV Wolfgangs because he used, he used a guitar, uh, a white PV Wolfgang with a trans trem on it so they could play fire in the hole. Which actually leads me to my uh, 13th favorite Van Halen song, Fire in the Hole. And yes, this does not have Dave on vocals, but it's got Gary Sharon of Extreme. I love the riff. I'm sorry. I think it's a sick riff. And I mean, the lyrics are a little weird, but so what? You know, Gary's vocal delivery, I'm a fan of on the song. And the riff is just killer. So... And it's probably my favorite song off Van Halen 3. You know, it used to be Without You, but I don't know. I just don't like the guitar tone on that song. But Fire in the Hole, check that one out. Number 12, I got to give it to Out of Love Again from Van Halen 2. Um, vicious, vicious bite of a guitar tone on that song. And, you know, it's it's under three minutes. But that was the great thing about Van Halen. Yes, the songs weren't long. And they just... They weren't long. And, 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 and yet, like, you couldn't get enough of it. Just a great song. So that's number 13. Number 12. Oh, wait a minute. No, hold on. 15 was Can't Get the Stuff. 14 was Me Wise Magic. 13 was Fire in the Hole. 12 was Out of Love Again. 11. <laughs> um, this one uh, w was hard to pick because, you know, I do love the... Uh, I love Women and Children first. I think that's a great album. But I always got to go with Fair Warning as my go-to album. More than any other album in the Van Halen catalog or in general. And I got so much love for the song Sinner Swing. I mean, it just... It's a great song that I, I don't know what the lyrics are about, but like the delivery of the music and the delivery of the lyrics, whatever the hell Dave is saying or whatever he's singing about, it just sounds like a high octane, high speed chase song. And you can't help but get into it. And the chorus 
It's ridiculous. But I love it. Get, 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 get out and push. It's like... I don't know. I, I mean, a lot of people are like, you know, oh, Roger Daltrey is so great with the stuttering in, um, in my generation. But I wasn't... Uh, I, I love the song My Generation, but... I don't know, the stuttering in it, I'm just kind of like, eh, it's rather silly. But when Van Halen did it with Center Swing, I don't know, I just couldn't help but love it. It's fun. Now, I don't recommend anybody gets into a high-speed chase while blasting that song. Please don't do that. I'll never forgive myself. <laughs> I don't want to give anybody the wrong idea. All right, moving on to the top 10. Um, For me, number 10 was Atomic Punk. And it was the first time I ever heard a phase shifter used like that and just completely blown away by it. You know, um, that scratching that he does in the beginning, it's with a phase shifter. And I think he's either, I think he's using his palm to scratch the strings. And it just gives like this, this evil tone. It's just so good. It, it's so good. Uh, number nine, Girl Gone Bad. Kind of reminds me of Rush a little bit. But, uh, you know, and it's not one that's very well known amongst casual fans off 1984. But I, I tell you, it's it's a great track. Probably some of Eddie's best riffing. Number eight, House of Pain. Now, I want y'all I, I want y'all to do yourself a favor and uh check out a video that Ralph Vieira made to House of Pain. It's pretty cool. Like he takes uh footage of Van Halen from the nineteen eighty four period and spliced it in with that song and it just works very well. But uh, House of Pain, you know, that was one that they brought back from the demos uh, in 77, 78 and did for 1984. And they did a great job updating it. Really awesome. Um, next, we got Little, Guitar- uh, Little Guitars. And I don't know, I just remember falling in love with that song in 1988 when my brother Tony and my mom and I, uh, we went to Greece together with other family members. And my brother Tony had a uh, a mixtape. And that was the song that opened up the mixtape. And I just fell in love with that song. I still love it to this day. And that's off 1982's Diver Down. Um, and uh, by the way, as a kid, I had an Etch-A-Sketch so I thought in the chorus he was saying etch a sketch, etch a sketch. He was saying catch as catch, catch as catch. Can anybody in their right mind uh, see you and me? That's what he was saying. Catch as catch, can etch a sketch. What the hell? What was I thinking? Um, number six, hang him high off Diver Down. Um, originally released in the pre-Warner Brothers period as last night on the demos. But I don't know what he did 
what they did to change up Hang Em High lyrically, superb. An amazing track. A funny story about that one. Um, so at the time, this is 2013, uh, Snakes and Arrows, which was my Rush tribute band at the time, uh, we were asked to play a seven-year anniversary party for Bottoms Up, who at the time was like the biggest Van Halen tribute band on Long Island. So we were asked to uh, be one of the bands to open up for them. And we said, sure. And we figured, you know what? Let's let's have some fun with this. Why don't we start our set with a Van Halen song and then go right into a Rush song? And I'm the one that suggested Hang Em High. So we played the first verse and then went right into Analog Kid. And people were freaked out. They were like, oh my God, that was awesome. So... Yeah, I got to take a little credit for that. <laughs> that was fun. Um, so number five is the one Van Halen song that still gets played on the radio that made this list. Why? Why the fuck not? It's Unchained. Again, that song to this day still gives me goosebumps. Number four, I have to give all the credit in the world to the song Mean Street. Again, like as a kid, just blown away by the beginning of that harmonic finger tapping that he was doing. Um, growing up as a kid in Queens, in New York City, and remembering vividly the sound of ambulance sirens and cop sirens and hearing Mean Street and just being reminded of that and... Again, it just it struck a chord with me as a kid. Uh, number three. Uh, last thing about Mean Street, it would it it was a song that really made me take notice of his greatness, because of the riff, the solo, and that intro. Uh, number three, uh, Romeo Delight off of Women and Children First. I actually did a cover of this on a YouTube live, not YouTube, I'm sorry, Facebook live stream. Just because I was, I wanted to challenge myself and I think I did a decent job. I mean, I didn't play the solo exactly as Eddie does, but there were snippets of it that I used. But Jesus Christ, I, that song Romeo Delight, it's just, ah, melts your face. Great, great song. Number two, Light Up the Sky off of Van Halen 2. Um, just such a dangerous, dangerous song. And uh, <clears throat> I think if you listen to it, you'll really enjoy it. I actually heard a cover of this with uh, Doug Pinnock of King's X singing and Yngwie Malmsteen playing the lead. Pretty good, pretty good cover. And my favorite Van Halen song of all time has to be off the 78 debut album, On Fire. Very proud that I got to play the song with Bottoms Up, who at the time was uh, Eric on vocals, Jake on guitar, Jake, who's now in uh, Completely Unchained, and uh, John Pinna, who used to be the, the bass player in Bottoms Up, actually came back to do the... Uh, higher pitched vocals, the screams and 
Steve Garaputa uh, was nice enough to let me use his bass, which again, Steve, thank you for that. And with uh, my buddy PJ Pizza on uh, on uh, drums. So I was really proud of the fact that I got to play that with Bottoms Up. Uh, it was a night that I'll never forget. My favorite Van Halen song. And I got to play it. So thank you guys for that opportunity. And uh, please go check out Jake in Completely Unchained when they come to your town. Because they are, I think, the best Van Halen tribute band out there. So that's my tribute to the King Edward and my top 15 Van Halen songs. And I want to thank you all for listening. Again, thank you, Wayne Noon of Rat Salad Review for providing me a platform. Please subscribe to Rat Salad Review. Check them out on YouTube and wherever your fine uh, podcasts are available. And, uh, you know, big shout out to Ralph Vieira over at Vieira Vaults and the Almost Human YouTube page. Uh, shout out to Jcap Morris of Yakuza Kick Radio. Shout out to Aaron and Chris of Decibel Geek. And shout out to Wayne and Ratsala Review. Uh, the last thing I want to mention, everybody's talking about the election. Everybody's asking me who I'm going to vote for. I've decided that I'm not going to disclose who I vote for because that's my business and my business alone. I'm not a political person. So I really don't like engaging in politics with people, especially if I feel there's some form of uh, confrontation because I don't think I should have to explain myself to anybody. I don't think anybody should. I don't think anybody, um, you know, should be telling you who to vote for. And it's none of their business. It's all your business. So I'll leave it at that. But the only thing I'll let you know is I'm voting with my wallet. And that's the only thing that should matter to you as an individual. Don't vote for the party. Vote with your wallet. There, I said it. That's the last I'm going to talk about. I'm not going to be goaded into talking politics anymore. This is a music podcast. It's a fun podcast. It's an entertainment podcast. Um, I'm not here to promote anyone's political agenda. And fuck you if you have a problem with that. I speak for me and only me myself. But thank you for listening. Hopefully I've kept you as a listener. Really sorry about the long delay in releasing episodes. I've decided to kind of put myself first at the moment. So I'm trying to get healthy. I'm trying to shed weight, which I'm proud to say at the beginning of the summer, I weighed 297. It is now October uh, 18th and I went from 297 to 273 and I plan on keep going. And uh, thank you for to everyone for their support and love during this time and thank you for the kind positive reviews on, uh, well, not reviews, but feedback that I've been getting on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, Facebook. I really do appreciate it. But anyways... That's the end of this episode. Uh, thanks for listening. Rest in peace, Edward Van Halen. God bless your family. Love you. And thanks for tuning in. Take care, everyone. Be safe. Bye. Looking for some new podcasts to listen to? Well, Rat Sound Review Network has plenty of shows to choose from. Like Rat Sound Review, 
where they discuss the latest rock and metal news, as well as interviews and albums. Album versus Album, the King Diamond Podcast, with Wayne Noon, Greg Noggle, and sometimes this guy. Smack him a gob! Ralph Vieira is also on our network with the Vieira Bowl. There's also Old Man Metal's Musings, where he discusses heavy metal and beer. Music is Life with Lou Mavs. The Right Opinion for Those Who Love Politics. A South Park podcast called Suck My Balls. The Infinite Fringe. A watch-along wrestling show called Beyond Bushido. Extradivarius guitarist, the Timo Tolki podcast. And the great Harry Barnett with I Don't Even Like podcast and the Laughcast. So check out RatSaddleReview.com or search Review on YouTube, Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. 